When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast. I'm glad you're here. A reading from the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound, like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We usually read the Pentecost story on Pentecost, the feast day, the holiday, where we have the red vestments and the reminder of the Holy Spirit's arrival on planet Earth in this violent rushing wind. And reading it outside of the feast of Pentecost is actually good for us, kind of like thinking about the crucifixion on days other than Good Friday, where we can actually, um, you know, uh, realize that the effects of Pentecost and the effects of Good Friday are on every day. We are all living in the time after these events. We are not waiting for Pentecost to happen anymore. It has already happened. We are living 
in this era that Joel prophesies about called the last days. You might not think of yourself as an Episcopalian living in the last days, but it is something we say often. We say it just about every Sunday in church that we are living in the last days. Most of our Eucharistic prayers make reference to the last days. Um, especially Eucharistic prayer B, as in boy, um, has that very explicit reference on in these last days. What does it mean to be living in the last days? Um, certainly there is this chronology of God's timetable for humanity, starting with creation, um, the creation of humans for most Christians throughout history was not always fixed on a certain date or year, even though if you calculate the years of um, the genealogies in Genesis and other places, you will come out to 4004 BC, September 28th, nine o'clock in the morning for the creation of the world. A famous Anglican named Bishop Usher uh, was noted for this date, coming up with this date. And ever since his chronology, um, Anglican Bishop Usher's date of 4004 BC has held sway with a lot of people. And then you have 2,000 years after, um, which you can see why a lot of people, including the writers of the Book of Enoch and others, felt that that might be the time that Jesus comes back or the end of the ages. 4,000 years of history up to Jesus, Jesus comes, and then 2,000 years after that makes for 6,000 years of human civilization, which is pretty accurate historically. We think of civilization as we know it, people that can read and write and live in cities. Um, probably stretches back to about 4,000 BC. Um, so this six days of creation, 6,000 year periods of human history, parallels the six days of creation of the world. And the seventh being a Sabbath rest, a millennium, thousand years of a Sabbath rest for the people of God, which the book of Hebrews does mention and the book of Revelation mentions as well. Um, so what does it mean to live in the last days, which we are living in now, according to this text in Acts and this prophecy by the apostles and by the prophet Joel? It means to live in the expectation of the consummation of all of human history. That the final judgment of the earth is imminent. And what that means in a positive way is that justice will finally be done. The stuff that you see around you that is almost impossible to fix. Um, the questions of human poverty and, and child abuse and other seemingly intractable problems, no matter how much we do and how many things we do to try to mitigate it and change the way we live and put in safeguards and all these other things that, that human misery does keep happening and human suffering. And 
submarines go down to the bottom of the ocean and don't come back. And so do boats carrying hundreds and hundreds of refugees in the Mediterranean Sea just a few days before that. That human tragedy still happens on big scales and little scales. And ultimately, the living in the last days means that we have an expectation, a longing for justice to be done. For um, one, you know, negatively, for those who hurt other people and exploit other people in the earth to finally be put, to have a stop put to their activities by God. Um, As much as humans have tried, we can't seem to stop each other from doing horrible things. And a lot of times we can't even stop ourselves. And God will stop that. But also to usher in a time of human flourishing in a way that we've never experienced before. Um, It is always interesting to me. I've known a few children of really wealthy people. And we often watch TV shows about them like Succession or other um, media where children of really wealthy people are depicted not always in a positive light as they seem to have unlimited resources and very few consequences. And it's easy to look at them um, and envy them for the privileges they had that we didn't have, perhaps. One of the things I've noticed about a lot of, well, the few children of wealthy parents that I've known and have read about, too, is that many of them become artists. Um, And this is true of most humans. If you if you didn't have to work, you didn't have to do a lot of stuff that you've got to do to get through life, um, what would be the artistic pursuits of your life? Most people would have some, I think. Um, it is the grind of everyday existence that um, keeps us from some of the things we really love to do. Um, sports, uh, enjoyment, being in the out of doors, um, all these arts and leisure experiences that we see as luxuries, as sort of extras in life, in the age to come will be the main point of human activity. Um, That we will be like God, creative beings, creating things all the time, creating beautiful things, knocking them down and rebuilding them even better. Um, And then... um, seeing each other's creativity and appreciating it and enjoying it. All happiness has to be shared. All creativity involves a two-step process, the creation, then the observation of it. And I think, you know, that would be a pretty good way to live as humans. All of us creating stuff and enjoying it um, with a limitless schedule, with a limitless timeline, where we didn't have to hurry from one thing to the next. Um, It's hard to imagine an age after the last days. It's hard to imagine an, a, a reign of God in the world. It's hard to imagine these things because our equipment for imagination is so uh, beat down by reality, the reality that you and I face every single day, that life is hard and things are difficult and we have to struggle and fight and retreat and surrender and keep moving, and all these things that we have to do in life that make life really hard. In the age to come, life will be everlasting. And that is what the prophet Joel is pointing to. 
that this inbreaking of the kingdom that is still yet to come is happening at Pentecost right here and right now. And it's marked by different age groups having different experiences. According to the prophet Joel, your um, young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Um, It's hard for young men to see visions. We try to help them do that in high school and elementary school and in their 20s. We try to say like, You've got to imagine yourself as a grown-up with responsibilities and being kind and gentle and careful and not being so destructive and all these things that we try to get young men to see a vision of the future where they actually are responsible and do have responsibilities. It's hard to get them to see that, but the Spirit will drive them to that, will call them to that, will bring them to that vision. And your old men shall dream dreams. Um, it is hard to dream the older we get. Usually we just are trying to recreate the past, some good experience we had in the past. We're always trying to recreate that. Um, and yet in the spirit, we actually can have dreams later in life, dreams that come true, dreams of hope and prosperity and love and peace and all the good things in life that we can actually experience that. That is what the Spirit brings us to and it fills us for, to have those experiences. And this will be poured out on both sons and daughters and then slaves, enslaved people, both men and women. Twice in this text, it is very clear that the Spirit will fill everybody, not just the men, but the women too. And this in a patriarchal world that Joel wrote in, and the book of Acts is set in in the first century, and our patriarchal world where uh, men seem to get more stuff quicker, more easily, more privilege and benefit. Um, The outpouring of the Spirit is on women. And this is the story of Acts, is the story of women. The story of church planting in the book of Acts, the story of women planting churches, women leading churches, women doing the work of the apostles and apostolic ministry. This is the outpouring of the Spirit. You will never see, I mean, one of the tests of the Holy Spirit being present in a community and organization is that men and women are participating in it equally. Um, If it's just the guys, the Spirit is probably not there. Um, That the prophet Joel is saying the Spirit will be poured out on men and women. And so we recognize that, and we acknowledge that, and we celebrate that, um, because this is all about calling on the name of the Lord. And that is probably something we need to do again, in the Spirit, to call upon the name of the Lord, to say, I am overwhelmed by the stuff I'm facing. I don't see much hope or a future, or I don't have an easy solution to my problems, but I'm going to call on the name of the Lord knowing that the Spirit is poured out in me, whether I'm a man or a woman or any gender. Um, Certainly man and woman is used here as sort of encompassing everybody, but we know that um, people define their own gender very differently and and uniquely to them. We want to recognize that as well. 
but, but that we are all qualified for the inpouring of the Spirit, to call upon the Spirit, to call upon the name of the Lord. And we will be saved. We will be saved. Amen. Collect for guidance today. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all cares and occupations of our life we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose Spirit the whole body of your faithful people is governed and sanctified, receive our supplications and prayers which we offer before you for all members of your holy church, that in their vocation and ministry they may truly and devoutly serve you. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.